gentrification happens, we see that they bring different types of amenities like more services. So the rent's gonna go up, maybe pushes people out if affordability gets reduced. Have you ever noticed suburbs changing in line with the increase in their property price? When long-time locals can no longer afford to rent or buy there? When Harris Farms and Aesops pop up in the main street? Today, we're talking about the effects of gentrification. Welcome to Real Talk, realestate.com.au's property news podcast. It's real questions, real experts and real insights. So the gentrification of an area... Why does it happen? What does it mean for property, for people? But more importantly, what does it mean for price? We spoke to a few people about what they think. Gentrification means suburbs that are getting better. Sort of a new wave of people and demographics move into sort of a more traditional, older held suburb. Well, they have to spend more money in that low-income area. Compared to the past, it might become a little bit harder. I think there needs to be a balance. It's not just Australia that, where that's happening. When the population, I guess, gets packed into a specific part of the country, that's just meant to happen, I think. Joining me to unpack it is Cameron Kusher, Director of Economic Research at PropTrack, and Michelle Stevens from O'Brien Real Estate, both of whom have years of experience watching suburbs shift and change over time and seeing the effects in the wider market. So thank you both so much for coming on the show. Cam, if you could set the scene in its most basic form, can you give us a top-line definition of what gentrification is? Gentrification is basically the improvement of a suburb that comes over time, and it can come in different forms. It can be an inner-city suburb, for example, that used to be very working class, and then all of a sudden people realise the benefits of living in this great area and move in, and they drive up the prices of homes. Or it can really be driven by the development of of new commercial or residential precincts that bring in facilities that a suburb didn't used to have and make that suburb now a more desirable place to live in. Development is usually one of the, the big uh, drivers of this. You know, a, a supermarket now moving into a suburb that didn't used to have one. As you said, you know, the Aesop and, and the Harris Farms coming into a, a suburb. Or it can be driven uh, simply by a more affluent demographic moving into a suburb with the ability to pay higher prices, whether that be in the form of rent or whether that be in the form of purchasing a property and making it harder for the people that currently live in that suburb to continue to afford to live there. Do you think it's a good or a bad thing? Depends on your perspective. If you own a property in that suburb, it's a great thing because it generally means, firstly, that prices will increase, but also that the amenity in that suburb is going to improve over time. But if you're a renter, if you're someone on a low income living in that suburb, it's, it's probably a bad thing. You would love all that additional amenity, but the ability for you to remain in that suburb becomes quite difficult because rents go up, property prices go up, mm. and it does tend to force those lower income households out of that suburb and to maybe less desirable suburbs. Who does it affect the most, do you think, Cam? Renters or homeowners when suburbs gentrify? It affects probably homeowners more and okay. they get more of a benefit because the co the value of their home tends to increase and the livability of the suburb improves over time with that gentrification. I mean, renters probably would like to stay in these suburbs, but renters don't own a plot of land or an apartment in that suburb. If you're a very low income person, you know, you may not be able to afford to shop in that suburb anymore. You may not be able to dine out in that suburb anymore because all those cheap restaurants, the corner stores that you used to frequent over time end up not existing because they're just not viable compared to the, the new 
offering that comes into the suburb over that period of time. So, Michelle, in your patch of Carrum Downs and Sky, which is in Melbourne's middle ring suburbs, where do you think your area is at in terms of gentrification? With where we're based with you mean at Marfus in Carrum Downs. Um, so we're a part of the Frankston City Council. Frankston, you mean itself, the CBDs had millions or billions of dollars pumped into it over the last few years. So we've seen a lot of, you mean, new stores and things like that pop up. But then you'll go down, you mean, the hub where you've got, where they've spent so much money on the train station, for instance, they've got all these new shops and everything. But then you'll be going driving down the Nepean Highway. There, There is so many vacant stores and everything because it's just too far out. So a lot of those like little corner stores that you talking about have closed down. So there is significantly a lot of shops that have closed over the time. I'm finding, yes, obviously the rents have drastically really increased in the last few years. So we're finding it really hard for a lot of our owners that unfortunately might have gone through a separation that aren't in a position to actually purchase back into the area needing to rent, that physically can't actually afford to rent in those areas anymore. So they are having to move further out. Also, we'll have some older people that might still have a mortgage on their home and wanting to do a downsize, top up super and things like that, that it's really hard for them because of a lot of the out of area buyers that are coming in going, you mean we're 10 minutes to the beach. We've got the, you mean, the Peninsula Link, East Link. You mean, we're, you mean, realistic, we're 35 minutes to the city. You can be in the, like, down the Peninsula in 30 minutes. We're in a really great spot. We're getting a lot of people that might have not actually moved into these suburbs, say, 10 years ago, and we've really doubled. It's hard for some of the older demographics and some of the older generations that are wanting to sell and then trying to buy back on a smaller scale and maybe pay off the, you mean have refinanced over the years and still have a $300,000 mortgage and they're not actually in a position to purchase back into the area that they've, you mean, lived in for the last 30 years. So we are definitely noticing it. So let's stick on that trail of price. Mm-hmm. How has that affected price? Like, can you give some figures about what you might have seen 10 years ago to now? 10 years ago in Carrum Downs, you could buy a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house for probably $350,000. Now, you mean our median sale price for a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house will be $750,000, Gone to the times of, I wouldn't move further down. It's just amazing that people have moved further down to, you mean, it's affordability, but also now we're seeing people having to get pushed further out of even our suburbs because of, you mean, our price high we've had. Cam, how quickly does gentrification of an area take? Are we talking years or are we talking decades? No, it, it really depends. And I think when councils really start pumping and government starts pumping a lot of money into an area, it can happen really quickly. So it sounds like in Carrum Downs it, and Frankston, it happened quite quickly. I'm from Brisbane. I know places like Newstead in Queensland, the government really got behind that gentrification. There was a lot of old wall stores that were converted into apartments. And realistically, that gentrification happened in about two or three years. It's really dependent on how much money is spent and also how quickly you can attract people into those areas. I think somewhere like Newstead had the benefit that it was, you know, two kilometres from the CBD and it was really run down, you know, worker kind of area. It was always a very desirable location. But in, in the Frankston example, obviously the government got right behind it, right near the beach, 30 minutes down to the peninsula. When you think of all of those things, quite desirable. So I think people just realise that. I think the other point with somewhere like Carrum Downs, I mean, you're saying the median price is about 800000 but to build a brand new house out in Cranbourne or somewhere like that would probably cost you seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty thousand. So it's like, well, do I go somewhere further away from the ocean? Maybe doesn't have these as good of facilities. Certainly doesn't have the connectivity that uh, somewhere like Carrum Downs does. Mm. Or do I spend fifty thousand dollars more and go to that area? And I think for a lot of people, 
that's a pretty easy decision to make. Can you give us an example of an area that took longer to gentrify? A really good one is places like Redfern and Marrickville in Sydney. We saw a lot of gentrification within inner city areas like Glebe in, in, in Sydney, but you know, it's only really been probably the last five to 10 years in somewhere like Marrickville that we've really see that, seen that gentrification happening. Whereas other inner city locations, it happened sort of 15, 20, 30 years ago. Places like Fitzroy, they took quite a long time to gentrify as well. So there's, there's probably great examples in most capital cities, Fremantle in WA. Fitzroy was named one of the most popular suburbs in the world. Publicity like that, that draws more people, I guess. We did speak to one person about their thoughts and whether they thought it was a good or a bad thing for Australian suburbs. I think it can be a good thing because, you know, they can attract more things like cafes and more services, but obviously it can also be a bad thing because then it makes house prices more expensive and that's bad for people that have always lived there. I think there needs to be a balance when it comes to gentrification. So in, on the one hand, you know, we want to make suburbs more livable and some of these services and amenities that, that come with gentrification are a good thing. but. Also, we want to make sure that uh, we're not pricing people out of these suburbs. What sort of suburb elements do you actually think make it right for gentrification? Is it green space? Is it proximity to the city? Is it local community? Like, what are we looking for? Number one in a lot of major capital cities is proximity to the city. So old working class areas do become gentrified and people realise the great benefits of living in these areas because they have great public transport. A lot of them have got great parks. In areas further out, location, proximity to the beach, they're probably the big driving factors there. But usually it's driven by some form of amenity, whether that's, you know, public transport, a great shopping centre, a beach or some other unique feature that most other suburbs don't have. We talk about unique features. What springs to mind for me, that's community. Each area has its unique features, which makes the community unique to that area. So it's almost like Byron Bay in the Northern Rivers. They are quite idyllic places where the community was built upon artists and free spirits. But now the ones that have built up the feeling well, they can't afford to live in Byron Bay anymore. People build a level of community and that's what attracts people to the area. And then those people who have built that community are priced out. That's displacement. Unfortunately, with gentrification, that's inevitable. The thing that really attracts people to a lot of areas, those are the things that are no longer viable when these wealthier people move into the areas. This is the challenge. And we talk about, you know, essential workers being pushed out of major capital cities or being pushed further and further away from their jobs. And gentrification certainly contributes to this. And I think that's why it's important to have that component of new housing that comes into the suburb that is affordable for those essential workers and is affordable for the pensioners that have to downsize out of their big home. When you're older, you probably lived in these suburbs for 20 or 30 years. You, all your support network's there, all your friends are there. People want to have the ability to stay there. Unfortunately, in a lot of instances, gentrification doesn't allow them to do that anymore. I actually want to go back to the topic of displacement because that is a major effect of gentrification. There are a few types of displacement. Direct displacement, indirect displacement and cultural displacement. Cam, are you able to talk us through what each of those means? Direct displacement is you used to be able to afford to live in a suburb and then you get moved further away from that suburb. So you're directly displaced by this gentrification that happens. The indirect 
displacement is people that would have lived in that suburb no longer have the ability to live in that suburb because they can't afford it. And then cultural displacement is the things we were talking about, you know, the corner stores that can are no longer viable. In a lot of the places that get gentrified, it was certain communities that used to live in those areas. Great example I'm aware of, because I'm from Brisbane, is somewhere like West End. It used to be a lot of Greek and Vietnamese migrants that lived in that area. Now those Greek and Vietnamese migrants can no longer afford to live in that area. And that was one of the things that started to attract so many people to there because there's really cheap food. It was really good food. And there was this culture in that suburb. And as those people can no longer afford to live in that suburb, then that culture leaves the suburb and the whole idea of why people wanted to live there shifts. Do you think that the affordability factor is such a huge driver of gentrification? It's it's a massive driver. I mean, people can't afford to live in the suburbs that they grew up in. People can't afford to live in the suburbs that they desire to live in. And it's also a challenge as people get older and they want to downsize into a suburb, If they've opposed higher density housing for all of those decades, well, then there's nowhere for them to move when they no longer need a house. In Sydney in particular, that divide between the eastern suburbs and even the inner western suburbs in price is massive. So that is forcing people there. But then the people that grew up already in the inner west can no longer afford to live in the inner west, so they move out to Parramatta. I know in, in Melbourne, it's it's very difficult for people to cross the river, but obviously there is a big difference between the inner southern suburbs and the inner eastern suburbs to the inner northern suburbs. And over time, probably a bit reluctantly, but <laughs> you know, people that grew up in the inner south or the inner east aren't going to be able to afford to live in those suburbs. So they're going to move further south down to Frankston and places like that, like you did, Michelle, or they're going to end up having to move to the northern sub inner north suburbs or outer north suburbs because that's the only place they can afford to uh, afford to buy a property anymore. Do you think there's actually anywhere left to gentrify in if we could stick to the eastern seaboard, Sydney, oh, Melbourne, Brisbane? You'll always be able to find somewhere to gentrify. The features of those suburbs that are going to undertake the next wave of gentrification are probably not as desirable as the ones that have already occurred. So they're not going to be right by the beach or they're not going to be in very close proximity to the the CBD, push out in any direction, you're going to find a suburb that's still reasonably working class-ish, has some good amenity, has development potential in that suburb, and it will have the ability to be gentrified. But it just won't be as attractive as those areas that have already gentrified. Michelle, are you seeing anywhere that that's happening in your patch now? We have definitely seen our area gentrify. I do think that we are going to start to see over the next few years, like as I said, like your Frankston CBD has had so much new amenity pumped into it. But then I think we're going to start to see it going into some other areas like your Caram Downs, your Sky and things like that as well and your Seaford. I do think that you mean our places like Caram Downs, we will start to see it gentrifying more. We haven't seen it as much just yet, but I do think with the demographic that we're having, people moving further down and different expectations expectations of these buyers as well, I do still think that there is some to be had in our area. What's the effect been on the local community? At the end of the day, we've got so many different demographics in our area. We'll have, you mean, your older generations, you'll have your middle income earners. We do have, you mean, higher income earners now as well coming into our area. It's a different vibe than what it was 10 years ago, where it was very much working class and things like that. So we are still a working class suburb, but we are definitely getting a completely different demographic coming in there. And then it is the difference of expectations with your, I mean, your shops and your schools and you I mean your transport as well. And I think one of the points there is, and we touched on schools, but 
gentrification tends to also have a positive impact on the quality of schools and things like that as well. As a wealthier demographic moves into an area, you do find that the quality of teaching and the quality of schools does improve as well. If we look at things from an investor's point of view for a second, do savvy investors look for key signs of gentrification when assessing an area? They look at things like what's the government spending in that local area, what are the plans, where's the future development going to happen. They look at transport infrastructure and improvements that are are going to come in. And I think, you know, the savvier investors are certainly all over that sort of information and looking for those next opportunities because obviously in in the housing market, you want to buy low and sell high. Are you seeing that, Michelle, in your area? Oh, 100%. Like I can personally speak for myself, being able to, you mean, obviously working in a certain area and everything and still being affordable. And then you look at what's happened to your surrounding suburbs and you go, well, it's a no brainer. You look at the location and you see what's happened five minutes down the road and you go, well, you mean, we look at how we've grown over the last 10 years and you mean, you'll use an example like Hyatt. No one wanted to live in Hyatt 30 years ago. Now look at it. You go down the street of Hyatt and all the different restaurants and bars and things like that and look at the prices. So I think you can really see with your amenities and things like that and the people that are really wanting to move into the areas. So are you dealing with more investors? It's been a two-way market. We've got a lot of old investors that are exiting because with obviously interest rates, they were, you mean, having to top up the properties by X amount, but now they're having to top it up too much. So we've got those investors exiting out with all the new rental laws as well of minimum standards. We've got those old landlords exiting the market, but we've got that next wave that are coming in that they go, this is still affordable. I'm actually getting a really good return on my investment. And then they can see, they're going to see the capital growth because they've seen it happen in their suburbs as well. They're going to start to see different demographic coming into the area, different kinds of tenants as well coming into the area too. And you mean it's going to be the next boom. I think the other thing with investors as well, there is a lot of talk about investors exiting the market and that's certainly happening, but we've now got interest rates the highest they've been in 12 years. So the tax deductibility of a investment property is now a lot larger than it has been for a number of years as well. So while some investors are exiting, I think we're going to see lots coming back in because accounts are going to start telling everyone if you've got a tax problem, go and get an investment property again. I'm finding this chat super fascinating because I actually take quite a keen interest in gentrification on a personal level and we could keep talking for a very long time. But I think we've covered some really great ground today. Whether you are an investor or a buyer, you know, there are certain things you can look for and signs of a suburb that make it right for gentrification and price growth because the two do go hand in hand. And whilst there is positives and negatives to everything, not just gentrification, but there's positives and negatives to everything in life. I actually have been turned a little in this episode and I think gentrification has some really positive impacts on every suburb that it's happening to. So thanks so much for joining me. I think we've learned a lot about key drivers in suburbs and things like that and community and locale and what have you. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for joining me. This has been Real Talk. For your weekly fix, please follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and tune in next time for more real questions, news and insights on the topics that matter most from realestate.com.au, Australia's number one address in property. All information provided is general advice and opinion based on current market conditions. These opinions should not be treated as investment advice. Always obtain advice based on your individual circumstances. Real Talk acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, air and community. 
we pay our respects to elders past and present.